Hi, and welcome to Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips and tools to help you get the most out of your research in the lab. I'm Thomas Warwick, and today I'll be giving you a short history of cryo-electron microscopy. How do you win a Nobel Prize? A good deal of brain power, definitely. A dash of foresight and bravery to state your research career on a legitimate frontier helps. A splash of insight to ask the correct questions at the risk of ridicule is a must. And serendipity certainly helps. Cryo-electron microscopy, or cryo-EM for short, entered the mainstream seemingly from nowhere when it won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry in 2017. Furthermore, the choppy blend of questions, results and timing that chart its rise makes for an intriguing tale. So let's take a step back. Enjoy a short history of cryo-electron microscopy. A black hole. King Tut's death mask. Ernest Shackleton's sunken ship endurance. What do all these have in common? They've all been photographed. The advances in any discipline, thanks to an image, are impossible to understate. This is self-evident. Hence, in part, the monumental efforts undertook to image those objects, among many others. The same reasoning applies to the atomic world. For over a century, X-ray crystallography has been the dominant technique used to capture images of molecules. The enormous scientific contribution forged by it is reflected in the number of Nobel Prizes awarded to its vanguard, approximately 15. X-ray crystallography has its limitations, however. Living organisms are dynamic. A reductive approach to solving their components piece by piece will never grant a complete understanding of them. The limitations of capturing biological processes have been appreciated for decades. They necessitate an imaging technique amenable to large and dynamic samples. Enter cryo-electron microscopy. The slow and inching progress of cryo-EM towards the scientific mainstream can be told as a story with three parts. One, three brilliant scientists successfully conducted fundamental research. Two, a struggle against the benchmark technique, X-ray crystallography. And three, landmark results in cryo-EM held an attractive mainstream method. A landmark paper published in Nature in 1975 by Richard Henderson, who would later become one of the three recipients to share the 2017 Nobel Prize in Chemistry, and Nigel Unwin showcased a seven angstrom electron density map of the membrane protein bacteria rhodopsin obtained via electron microscopy. In addition to proving that transmembrane helices exist, the showing membrane proteins have explicit structures that demonstrated unequivocally the efficacy of using electron microscopy to study biomolecules. However, in 1975, X-ray crystallography enabled protein structures to be solved at resolutions better than 3 angstrom, although in nowhere near the same abundance as we see in them published today. High-resolution images of molecules reconstructed from electron micrographs necessitated, due to low signal-to-noise, electron detectors of a type that simply didn't exist back then. Increasing the dose of electrons wasn't a feasible solution because it damaged the delicate biological samples beyond use. So chasing resolution was, in effect, chasing your own tail. What was needed was another watershed discovery. It came from an oblique angle, solid state physics. Vitrification of water is the process of cooling it so rapidly that it becomes a solid without forming ice. Slowly cooling water in the presence of biological specimens harms and denatures them. This would obviously ruin cryo-EM samples. So you must vitrify them. The problem is, it's actually quite challenging to do. Doubly so when the desired goal is an ultra-thin layer of vitrified water that encapsulate delicate biomolecules in their native state. Vitrifying biological samples increases the resolution to which data can be collected through the following three ways. Reducing the radiation damage caused by incident electrons, protecting samples from the harsh vacuum inside the microscope, and locking water molecules in place around native samples. 
Remember that water molecules are part of the sample's quaternary structure. In 1981, a paper published by Jacques Dubochet and members of his lab demonstrated a technique to produce sub one micrometer thick vitrified water using liquid ethane. And recall the importance of sample thickness in electron microscopy. Then, in 1984, the same group published a paper exhibiting cryo-electron micrographs of single, undamaged virus particles embedded within a layer of vitrified water, also called amorphous ice. For these efforts, Jacques Dubochet also shared the 2017 Nobel Prize. That's two pieces of the puzzle. Electron micrographs can be used to construct electron density maps of biomolecules, and cryogenic techniques can be harnessed to embed and preserve delicate samples. But how are high-resolution electron density maps produced from noisy electron and cryo-electron micrographs? The answer is single particle analysis, and that accolade goes to Joachim Frank, who, in 1975, published the unassumingly titled paper averaging of low exposure electron micrographs of non-periodic objects, or single particle analysis as it's now known. This study provided the framework for taking noisy microscopy data for massive numbers of non-crystalline biomolecules and averaging them to maximize the usable data and ultimately translate it into electron density maps. Maps that are just like those obtained using X-ray diffraction. For this work, he further shared the 2017 Nobel Prize in Chemistry. And there you have it. Three separate feats of Nobel-worthy science ready to revolutionize molecular biology, just like PCR was to do shortly afterward. And then, seemingly, nothing happened. In fact, cryo-EM was often derided as blobology due to the comparatively low-resolution data it provided. Okay, so it's not as if the technique was abandoned altogether, it just didn't take off either. In fact, it was to be a long time before it was to do so, and there are several reasons why. The first is an issue of timing. We've already mentioned X-ray crystallography, and I alluded to the PCR revolution, which widened the bottleneck of sample crystallization. Won't your sample crystallize? Okay, tether it to a crystallizable chaperone, chop it down into a single domain, mutate flexible loops, turn it into a chimera, make a library of all of these and try them all. Plasmids and recombinant DNA technology also enables samples for X-ray crystallography to be produced using the expression systems that we take for granted today. Previously, samples were extracted from large quantities of natural sources. This is a messy, probably quite smelly, inefficient and limited way of doing things. The second is an issue of hardware, specifically electron detectors. You see, poor signal-to-noise ratios and low-contrast micrographs are substantial issues in cryo-EM. To generate electron density maps adequate for model building at resolutions the research community cares about, you really need to wring out as much data as possible. So pivotal is this problem that Richard Henderson attributes the enormous increase in high-resolution cryo-EM structures to the introduction of direct electron detectors in 2008. These detectors can deal with systematic noise and produce clearer micrographs, making particles easier to classify. The third is an issue of computing power, or lack of computing power to be precise. Generating electron density maps from thousands upon thousands of grainy images of particles takes a lot of computing power. Exactly how much depends on several factors including the number of particles being analysed, their dimensions, their symmetry, and the resolution to which the data is being collected. Even today, in an era in which our smartphones contain multi-core processors faster than PCs from 10 years ago, solving structures via cryo-EM takes a lot of computing power. Electron density maps constructed using single particle analysis may take thousands of hours of processor time. Plus, it can be expensive to tap into supercomputer clusters. Small wonder it took decades to catch on. Catch on it did, however, and it's not hard to see why. Visit the Electron Microscopy Data Bank and choose a year. 
I chose 2015 because it's recent, but before the Nobel Prize was awarded. Of the 640 depositions that year, 90 correspond to viruses, 40 correspond to cellular components, including parts of a flagellar motor, and 105 correspond to samples weighing more than one megadalton. The top three journals that year were Science, with 75 publications, Nature, with 66 publications, and Proceedings of the National Academy of the Sciences, with 53 publications. The vertiginous rise in interest of the technique means that you can now partner with external agencies who will support you with your CryoEM project. And that's the end of the story, for now at least. If there was an example of the benefits of cross-disciplinary thinking, you've just heard it. We've touched upon solid-state physics, computer science, and image and signal processing, all in the pursuit of a molecular biology goal. Brains, timing, and good old-fashioned look have played a part in the rise of CryoEM. While realistically, few of us can hope to win a Nobel Prize, we could all perhaps benefit from looking above the parapets of our own particular disciplines. Be sure to check out the online article for a table of 10 amazing cryo-EM structures and references to further your understanding of this topic. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In, the podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format. With webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With Listen In, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.